Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tiny DevOps Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall, and today we're going to be talking about uh, CTOs and fractional CTOs and technical leadership. My guest today is Oshri Cohen. Welcome. Hello, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Would you would you tell everybody briefly just a little bit about your background? Um, you know, the the, the 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 elevator pitch version of of your history up to now. Elevator pitch history. Oh my gosh. Um, I am one of those who uh, who is not formally educated in software development, right? Mm -hmm. So I started coding at thirteen. Um, I'll get into that one because I got I got into coding through vigilantism. Keep that one in mind. Okay. Don't ask me about that one there, because right. how often? How many people have you heard got into coding for vigilantism purposes? <laughs> I think I can count on one finger. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right. Every time I tell this in a podcast, we're like, "Really? We're gonna have to go back into that one," and we do. Yeah. Um, you know, I worked in various industries, from medtech, uh, video distribution, e-commerce, legal, logistics, martech. You name it, I've been in it, right? Uh, SaaS, obviously, a lot of SaaS. Enterprise. I used to be a Microsoft partner at some point, selling their stuff, love their products. Um, I had my own consulting when I was 23 because I thought I was smarter than everybody else. I was not smarter than everybody else. I just had less <laughs> liabilities than everybody else, so I could do that. Uh -huh. yeah, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and, uh, and here I am now, right? Here I am doing fractional CTO and not shutting up on LinkedIn. If you follow me, I pity I pity your phone. I pity the phone. <laughs> well, I, I do follow you, and of course, that's how uh, we got connected. And I've I've enjoyed your content. Um, and I I believe you recently uh, announced or, or celebrated your one year anniversary as a full time fractional CTO, which might sound contradictory, but we'll explain that. Yeah. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to bring you on and and just sort of talk about your story. Um, and before we hit record today, you were talking about how a lot of people don't even know what a CTO is or should be doing anymore. Maybe that's a good place to start. What should a CTO be? It's, it's, so it's not necessarily what a CTO should be. It is actually, in fact, that a CTO, the CTO's role changes across four years or four phases of a startup, right? It could be four years if it grows really fast. Year zero, the CTO is an engineer. You're not going to have a manager. You're not bringing someone in to do technical strategy for you. You're bringing someone in to start writing code. And that's what they're doing 90% of their time. Then you're hiring a couple of developers. And then at some point, at year one, the CTO becomes a manager. Maybe at year two, obviously I'm contracting everything. But maybe at year two, there's, multiple, there's now multiple managers. Now the CTO needs to be a leader, right? At year four... They have to now be a visionary. They have to now think ahead of technology, right? And be able to also operate at the same time. The question here is, how often is that the same person? That's the problem. How often is it the same person? And so a lot of startups, they look for the CTO. They give a nice equity position. They give a nice salary. 99.999% of the time, that person doesn't last more than a year to two years. Now, their cliff, they've passed their cliff date, right? They've taken their 25% of their allotment. 
maybe they've taken 50% of their of their equity allotment and they walked away having done sometimes a great job, but most of the time a pretty bad job. That's why my the fractional CTO business exists. I take over from people who screwed up, literally, right? Because they need someone to come in and say, okay, what's going on here? We had a CTO and, you know, and, and we're still having all these problems. CTO is not this magic fairy that comes in, pixie dust, and oh, look at that, your technology works well and your team is well organized and everything. It requires real life experience and real skill set. So a CTO that's passed, you know, that did five years of experience developing, it's not a CTO. It's a really good developer. They might, they might be very, very, um, very experienced, very skilled. They might be the genius, right? That can do it all. And they, and they might be even at the right time in their life where they can grow from IC, from an individual contributor to a visionary in a short period of time. So those definitely exist. But they're, you know, one out of 100. I can guarantee you that much. Do, do you fit all four of those categories yourself? Or, or is it contextual? Does it depend on the situation and the company? So it's contextual. It's contextual on what the company needs. So, um, so as a fractional CTO, for one client... I'm an engineering manager. Well, that's all they need. They have a bunch of developers. They need an engineering manager. Code review, PR, process, CICD. Another one, I'm the tech lead. So I'm doing architecture and code reviews and database modeling. And for another one, it's purely strategic, right? So I'm in there. They've got a director of engineering. They've got multiple teams in India and Brazil and so on and so forth. And I've re reconfigured the, the whole lot right? Created the processes in place, trained everybody. A lot of mentorship is involved. I mean, I mean, technical leadership, you know, if you had a really, really good boss, uh, boss, I mean, leader uh, that you work for, you know, that that's 90% of the job is mentoring and coaching and leveling up your people. So how often would you say, uh, I, I, you probably don't have numbers, but just what's your feeling? Uh, that a founding CTO can can cover all four of these. I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I can imagine it kind of gets progressively more difficult unless you're just a natural visionary. You know, some people are born with a vision and they try to fill yeah. in the other areas. Um, but you know, how frequently can a founding CTO see through a company through all four of these stages? If they have the entrepreneurial mindset and skill, then they can do it because. Be, to be an entrepreneur is to reinvent yourself con continuously as needed, right? But if you live in a box and your box is technology and you and you refer to yourself, I am a Golang developer and I'm going to be a CTO, well, you're just going to be a tech lead. And that's fine, by all means. You can make your half million dollars a year, at least you could at some point before they all laid off those people, right? Right. <laughs> you know, Airbnb and Twitter mm -hmm. and Netflix, all laying those, those people off that were making... These ridiculous salaries, which, by the way, still makes no sense to me, by the way. I just, I don't understand it. But anyway, right? <laughs> um, so if you have the entrepreneurial spirit, yes, you can do it. However, at some point, even if you're the founding member of the company, right? You're a co-founder and you have the title of CTO. It doesn't mean you should retain it. It doesn't mean you're stuck with it. Hire a VP of engineering. Let that person run the show, right? Do what you do really really well. Where I see most CTOs fail is that they don't rescind control when they are just not good at what they're, they're doing. Some people are not good at people management. Some people 
are not good at task management, but they're fantastic engineers. Great. Go engineer. Go work on the hard stuff. Put in a manager in place. The manager runs the team. That's not a problem because you can be either a CTO from the traditional sense, which is you manage the technology organization, the technical org, right? Or you're a CTO from the technical point of view. You know what? You have a PhD in some, in, in some abstract AI ML model that you've, that you've defined. And that's what you do. You're not managing a team. But to expect this person to manage a team, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You could, but maybe not. And that's when you need to know where your weakness is. Even it's the same thing with a CEO, right? You got to know where your weakness is. The CEO is not going to start doing ledger entries. Hire an accountant for that. Let them deal with the BS. That's the reality. I want to talk a little bit more uh, uh, in a minute about uh, how to identify if a company needs or should consider a fractional CTO or what stage they're in. But first, I want to hear your story. So you you went into full-time fractional CTOing about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what led up to that? And how did you get to that point? I was frustrated with the industry. I was mm-hmm. frustrated with the industry. You read my resume, it reads like a, like, like an epic novel, right? Um, but I, my profile fell through the cracks, to be honest. So the last three jobs I had, at least the ones that I put on my resume, right? Um, so the last three jobs I had, were, um, how can I say, were run by, by horrible people, unfortunately. Either it was a hyper-growth company that literally acquired another company in my city and, and, and gave my job away to somebody else. They didn't even know, by mistake, because they grew so quickly, they didn't even know I existed. And I was like one of the directors in the company. Like, this is insanity, just that insanity. And I'm like, I was sitting there, I'm like, what, what just happened? What? What is this? Right? Um, to working with misogynists and racists, like outright. And so I had to quit early on because I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't work for someone who said I can't hire an African-American based on their skin, uh, their, uh, their skin color. Like I was told this and I'm looking, wow. I don't know if you've ever faced like racism, like straight up blatant, like right there and then. And someone's telling you this. And you're like, not not but, from management, but I have from, from colleagues. Yes. Yeah, I mean, from management actively telling you, and I was CTO for that company, and they're telling me this, and I'm like, what's going on? I can't, I I quit three months later because I needed to find another job because I had a new kid. I couldn't just leave. Had I had the money in the bank, I would have left right away on that spot. But so, so I did this, and so I ended up having a couple of jobs where I stayed for a year to a year and a half maximum. That doesn't look good on a resume. It doesn't. And so recruiters didn't know how to position me. And so I said, I'm like, okay, I've got the skill. I know I know what I'm doing. I know it. Like, I've been doing this for long enough. I can do this in my sleep, right? And for my fractional CTO clients, I am not actually doing this in my sleep. Just, you know, I'm, I'm doing some work. <laughs> <laughs> important caveat there. <laughs> important, important, important distinction here, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and so... I was applying for CTO roles, VP roles, nothing, crickets. You're declined, you're declined, you're declined, you're declined. Recruiters that actually paid attention to me love me, but their clients were like, oh, yeah, no, he looks like he's a jumper. I, we don't care what the reason is. I'm like, but the reason is in my resume. Like, this is, shows ethics. Didn't care. I gave up on that one. It affected my mental health quite a bit, actually. But I, 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 
um, it affected me. And so I started looking, what's the alternative? I need to, you know, I need to take care of my family and so on and so forth. Maybe I'll do this FCTO thing that I've been doing for startups and helping them on the side, mentoring them and actually do it full t- uh, as a business. So I started researching the model, um, you know, the interim CTO, the fractional CTO was kind of starting in North America, but not really, right? It's more of a European thing. So when I looked at Europe, I saw, I'm like, oh, okay. So they, they kind of do the retainer model, like a lawyer. You pay monthly, you have access, they do the work. If they need more work, they, you know, they put a debt on your account until it all resolves itself. But in, the, in, in North America, we like to acquire our people, right? We like to buy our car. We don't rent, we buy our home, right? And so it was kind of a culture shock. And in, in North America, they didn't really hear of the FCTO. It took a lot of education. And it took me about five months to get my first client of incessantly not shutting up on LinkedIn and talking about it. But that's how I got 100% of my clients. 100% reached out to me and said, okay, this is interesting, right? And so I started with one client and then suddenly I'm gonna have four clients and and it was business is good but it's also exhausting but it's also very good and that's that's how i kind of that's how i got into it full-time part-time cto right the full-time fractional how does that work right so yeah you're working full-time but only a fraction of full-time per client is is exactly i've got four clients and so every two hours i do this i took a day off a couple of hours off for this podcast. My clients know about it. They're cool. I'm going to do it later at night or I'm going to do it on a Sunday, whatever it is, right? That's the reality because I'm not, the FCTO is not operational in real time, right? Mm-hmm. It's always an async process. At least once you, once you create a, found, uh, a proper foundation for the tech org, once the tech org knows how to run on its own and after about three months of active execution, then they can start operating on their own because you train them to operate on their own and then you fulfill an advisor role. You still stay on, same hour, same everything, but you advise and then they're operating faster, right? And better and more efficiently. And then now it's just a, 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 a process of, well, it's a process of optimizing the process. Oh, we did this, it doesn't work anymore. Let's adjust it slightly for something else to solve another problem. So are you actively working with four clients right now? Yes. <laughs> I'm signing on more clients. I am working a tremendous amount, at least 12 hours a day. So nutrition is really important for me. No caffeine or no coffee, but like very light caffeine throughout the day and drips. Um, I have to sleep well, but like I'll, I'll tell you something. By Friday, I finish my day on Fridays at 3 o'clock because I have to. Otherwise, I, I am completely zonked. Don't even talk to me on a Saturday. I need my quiet time. That's it. And then I work again on Sunday. So it's, uh, it's tough. It's not for everyone. The solopreneurship is not for everyone. Yeah, it sounds a little bit hectic. I'm curious to understand. I, mean, I don't want you to share any details that you're not allowed to share. Um, but what, what kind of profiles are you working with? Um, in particular, with regard to these four roles that you uh, or stages that you outlined, um, what stages are these four clients you're working with? What stages are they in? So, so some of them are pre-MVP, like they're pre-everything. They're just an idea. I like those mm-hmm. because I can really work with the founder and set them on a course for success, right? 
They'll come to me, I want to do this and this and this. And I'm like, no, you don't want to do this and this and this. Is this going to prove it? So this is more like a business mentorship. I've been in business for a while. I've had a startup. I failed that startup once or twice. I've worked closely with founders before, right? And so in many cases, I'm acting, I'm, I'm their fractional CTO, but I'm kind of acting as, a, as their entrepreneurship coach, right? But uh, from a technology point of view, okay, well, if we're going to do this, then we need landing pages and we're going to do this. Oh, how much is this going to cost? Well, we buy it. We don't build it. This, this is just natural, right? Founders that are first-time founders don't know this stuff, especially when they're not technical, right? Um, another one is working with a dev agency, right? So before they hire the dev agency, they hire me. I represent them. Um, I talk a lot about dev agencies. They're, I love them and I hate them at the same time, right? They, they can provide a lot of value, but they can, they can also cause absolute havoc, in a business, um, I like to I like to 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 equate a dev agency to a genie. You get exactly what you ask for, nothing else. And Jonathan, you're a tech guy. You know that the the where where cost overrun happens is on what you don't ask for and what you don't think about ahead of time, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've I've yet to meet a dev agency that will bring you that will that will deliver a local development environment with Docker compose and database fixtures and you can just run it like that. I haven't met one yet, but the ones that work with me have to deliver that as part of their SOW, right? And I review their code. So I've got one of those. I've got another one where it has multiple teams in India and around the world, and they have a director of uh, of engineering in one part of the world, another director of engineering in Noam, in North America. Uh, that covers Noam and Latam, and uh, and they have their teams, and I manage and I run the directors because again they still don't need a full time CTO. I still have a hard time finding enough work for two hours a day. That's the thing. So yes, there's always work to do, and I always have a plan. Now we have to bring it, bring their APIs up to to be able to deliver a million requests a day, minimum a million requests a day under two hundred fifty milliseconds. Not bad, but you know when I took them on, they had. They could barely do 5,000 requests and their servers were crashing. And that was, you know, six, seven months ago. So we optimize as we, as we need to, to, to open capacity. And another one I'm doing actually COO work for. <laughs> so I'm doing product strategy okay. instead, right? So I'm an operational right. guy. So I'm doing product strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been in this space. I've been in the medical space for years and years. And so I have an idea. This is how we're going to approach this. They loved it. They retained me. They want to retain me for for the long term. Excellent. I'm happy about that. Great. Right. And in between, I've got recruiting. I've got a couple more dev agencies. I've got co- uh, dev agency representation. I've got some coaching clients. One hour here, one hour there, and I'm helping them just grow their practice and uh, and uh, and structure themselves properly. So it's I'm busy. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> I'm <it>. busy. <laughs> So for these pre-launch companies, that, that sounds like the place where the CTO as engineer makes sense. Yes. Uh, does that describe you? Are you doing engineering work for them or you, you don't do that when in the fractional role? So, so at that point, what I do is I do the technical design, the systems design. This mm-hmm. is how we're going to lay it out, right, as an MVP. But I will leave the Lego pieces in the right place to say, okay, well, when we're ready, we'll pull this one out and we'll pull this one in. Right now, we can handle a hundred x more traffic. Good. So I designed it in such I designed the technology in such a way that it evolves. Right. So it's not over engineering, 
but it's just putting it in the right place for evolution, right? So I call it a process of systems that are intelligent, intelligently designed to evolve, right? So when you do that, you're not going to throw away your, MV, your MVP code. You're not going to have to rewrite everything, right? You're just evolving it from that point on. But you have to make that decision actively. Like this is an active decision that you have to make. And there is a slight increase in cost, of course, right? You know, when, you, when I work with a dev agency, I say, well, guys, we're going to need an API gateway in front of this regardless. Well, why an API gateway? We don't need it. I'm like, well, well at some point we're going to go and split the service out. I don't want to deal with the BS. Just, I want to just split the service out and not have to deal with it. That's it, right? Founders understand it. Now the dev agency understands it. This is what we do. So in that, in that regard, it sounds like you, you are working more as an engineering manager slash architect rather than a hands-on keyboard uh, typing out code. Uh, you, you, you direct the agencies. Is that Exactly. Fair? Yes. So I direct the agency. Okay. And sometimes, you know what? I spent two full days, a whole weekend, a couple of weekends ago, debugging a CICD process. It was, sure, and I was yeah. in, knee deep in the code, right? Trying mm -hmm. to, trying to create mm -hmm. an, an, uh, a hermetically sealed end-to-end -end test. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that's, uh, it's difficult because there's no like tooling available easily for this. You have to kind of just set it up and have an entire ecosystem run in your, in your CICD. So, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I know all the good CICDs and all the bad ones. <laughs> so <laughs> we can chat about that one. I love Circle CI, uh -huh. but they don't work for .NET. I despise Bitbucket oh, no. because I have to run my own runners. Mm -hmm. You know, GitLab mm -hmm. is my favorite so far as a middle of the road uh, CICD. I so like far. GitLab quite a bit too. Yeah. 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 I like yeah. I like how tightly yeah. integrated it is. It's very nice. How long do you typically work with a client? That's an interesting one because I had 15 clients, right, um, in in a span of a year, but it took five months to sign my first one. So in about a, in about seven months, I had 15 clients, right? The math doesn't actually work out itself at two hours per day, obviously. Um, some of them stayed with me for a month, right, because they they needed that technical leadership, and we started it, and I ended up finding this great candidate for them. And I worked myself out of a job. Like, you have to hire this person as my replacement. And they didn't understand. They're like, don't you want to work with us? No, I want to work with you guys. But this guy's better. He's done exactly what you need. Like, let's do it. I'm not in the business to try and stay with the client beyond, um, against my ethics. There's no point. There's, there's no point. I want them to be set for success. That's the idea. The FCTO concept is you're trial running a CTO. Right. So when clients tell me, how long are, are we expected to stay with you? I'm like, until you don't need me anymore. And when you don't need me, I'm going to tell you. And that's when you need to hire a full time CTO. Either you need to hire a full time one or you don't really need one at all. And we just put a, another director in place and be done with it. And that's it. Right. But I am wholly against giving equity to people. Really, like unless unless you bring something so valuable to the table, but the, if you can just do some GraphQL and some Node.js, no, 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 no. My mother can write GraphQL if I taught her. I'm not gonna give her equity either, right? <laughs> okay, I'll give equity to my mother, but still. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. That's so so. Some of them is one month. Some of them is eight months, twelve months, right? Some of them is literally two, three weeks, 
because I solved a particular problem and I'm like, this is the problem you're in. Go ahead. Some of them don't have the budget. So I help them on the side and I'm like, listen, I'll help you here and there as much as I can. Um, but otherwise, no. And some of them are just not a good fit, right? So some of them, one of them hired me as an FCTO two hours a day. What they really needed, it was a COO with a technical background. They didn't need a CTO. They didn't need a COO to, to define operations and select technology. That's a COO's job. You don't need a CTO for that, right? But a lot of startups think that they need one because that's what their VCs tell them. One of my clients literally called me. It's like my, my VC is forcing me to hire a full-time CTO because it'll look better. I'm like, but you're going to what? Give 300K to some guy because it looks better? He's like, that's what it's going to cost? Yeah, that's what it's going to cost. Unless you get a developer, and it's still going to cost you 150K plus equity plus, 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 plus. For them to do what? To code? So, it makes no sense sometimes. A lot of this, pre it's peer pressure almost. All the, cool gets, all the cool kids have a CTO, right? So you have to have one. Definitely. I mean, I, I spoke to a, a good friend of mine from when I was a kid who's working with a company. Uh, we spoke a year ago, and they were looking for a CTO. I don't know if they needed one. Um, I mean, I don't think they needed a full-time one for sure. I think it was like four people in the company. And but you know, th there's this expectation that you need a CTO, so they're looking to hire a CTO. Who and, and their their job description was basically a senior developer. Like this, this isn't this isn't yeah, the right that's it. the right match. It, exactly, <laughs> a CTO is a business role. It always has been, and it always will be. How much business depends on on the size of the technical organization. The bigger the technical organization, the less you're in engineering. But engineering and technology, it's like if you look at a Venn diagram, they kind of touch each other, but they don't, right? There's a, there's a slight area where technology and engineering overlap, and, but they're two distinctly different things, right? Engineering is building. Technology is running the, uh, is running the technology, right? How many, how many clients have I seen that have built their own timesheet software? I'm like, but, but what? Why would you build your own timesheet software? Oh, because no other tooling had what we needed. What are you fucking, what are you kidding me? Right. What do you mean? No, this is like, this is commercial off the shelf stuff. So you have developers yeah. that you hired at a hundred thousand dollars a year in Canada. We're a little bit cheaper, right? At a hundred K a year, writing a timesheet software. Like what? <laughs> Why? That's not, no. So I would go in and I'd say, no, we're nicking this. Forget it. Like, let's find an alternative. We'll migrate it. It's over. We're done with this. And it connects to your accounting system. A lot don't think this way. A lot think from an engineering point. And they had a CTO, but that CTO thought of, from an engineering point of view, not from a technology point of view. What problems do companies bring to you? You, you say sometimes you fix a problem in two or three weeks. Sometimes it takes many months or a year or longer. What problems are they bringing to you that, that you help them with? A lot of the times the problem is my engineering team is not delivering fast enough and we have recurring bugs. Half the problems at least. Half the problems is because they're not following proper development practices. It's that simple. They started out cheap, right? They cut corners, no testing, no clean code practices, right? Nothing. Not even, barely even a PR process. Barely, right? That's the reality. And they were deploying, you know, once every three months. You know, these massive releases with... 500,000 lines of change uh, of changed code, go, go test that properly, right? And by the time they get to the stage, and then it has to wait another month for it to go through regression. That's when they call me, right? Typically when their engineering team does not work effectively. 
And when the engineering team works effectively and they think they need a CTO, that's when I come in and I say, oh, well, everything seems to work fine here. Now, we can operate at this level, this level, or this level, but right now, your foundation is decent. And based on your business trajectory, you don't need a CTO just yet, right? So I can stick around for an hour to a week and make sure that that your developer, uh, your lead developer is coached. Maybe we'll see, maybe that person will be, has CTO material. And through my coaching, I test them this way, right? I ask them odd questions and I give them odd strategies to see if they'll challenge me, right? Because that's really um, what, a, what a technical leader should be doing. Um, but yeah, that's it. Have you ever had a client ask you to come on full time and uh, would you ever consider it? I had one ask me to go full time. Then he asked me what my price was. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said no. Yeah. Like, you know, my my consultancy does pretty well for itself, right? In a year, in, in five months, I generate quite a bit of revenue. In six months, quite a bit of revenue. Um, I continue down this path. No one can afford me at that point. And honestly... I don't know if I want to go full-time yet. I'm having too much fun right now. I'm seeing too many problems and I'm enjoying myself. And I'm enjoying just seeing teams level up so much and their developers so eager to have this, this technical leader that is on a consulting basis because what I noticed that's really, really interesting is that they don't see me as a threat. They see me as an enabler. It's not like they hired a full-time CTO to come in and, 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 and change everything on them, right? They might lose their job. They might do this. They might do that. Who knows what might happen, right? And so, so they're eager to see me come in because they know I'm temporary. I'm coming in to fix things, right? It's a very, very interesting concept, right? I even work for companies that have a CTO that just don't have the time to, do, to deal with everything. So I'm an FCTO to a CTO. I, w I wanted to ask you about that, yeah. So I can imagine that, that there are lots of companies where they have a, a designated CTO, yeah. but they, have a, they recognize a weakness in one of these areas. So it seems like it would make just as much sense for you to join them. Exactly. So, so I work with CTOs a lot as well. Not a lot, but I've had a couple of clients with CTOs, right? It's a minor portion of my business, but still of my, my, of my customer, of my ideal customers. Um, and I help with coaching. I help with mentoring. I take on half the team for them. Because you know what? They don't need a full-time director. And they don't need a full-time manager. Right? They just don't need one. They just need one, someone to come in and adjust. Or someone to handle a different business process entirely. So I'm working with a client who has a CTO. They've got a 100-strong development organization. Right? Operating perfectly on the product side. But they have a professional services side as well. They have no technical leadership for the professional services. They don't need a full-time CTO for that. And the current CTO doesn't actually have the time to, to deal with professional services because it's two completely different business models, right? Two completely different ways of developing. So now I have to come in and, and get that team uh, up to par, right? And work with that team and manage that team and so on and so forth. And, and then put, probably put in some technical leadership so that they can start operating on their own and grow that part of the business. So I work a lot this way. 
Let's talk about cost a little bit. Because, I mean, if anybody's listening and they're thinking, should I hire a CTO or an FCTO? You just mentioned 300 k for a CTO. I'm sure that depends a lot on where you live and, and where you're recruiting. But, I mean, I, I think 300 k for a full-time CTO is probably kind of low end. I mean, maybe you could get a cheaper one if, you, if you're if you getting a basically a senior dev who, who's wearing, willing to wear that badge. But for a qualified CTO, 300K seems pretty low to me. Much higher up, yeah. A, a, a full-time CTO, one who actually knows how to grow a business. And now there's different CTOs, right? There are CTOs that I've worked with that have no idea how to spin up a business. They have no idea because they've always worked, at a, they've always inherited a technical org of a thousand strong with directors and managers. And now they have to just retrofit and grow that. In many cases, that's actually easier than spinning up from scratch. The process is already there. Everything's there, but that's it. You know, the big shot CTOs um, of the very large organizations that go from one large organization to another large organization, this is their skill set. This is, they can bring a company public. Great. That's their profile. You ask them to do something from, from the, from the ground up, they won't fail, but it's not their skill set. Right. And they'll still charge you the same amount. That's the reality. So you you need to know what kind of CTO you're getting at. Now, a decent one who will get you from nothing to something might cost you 350 to 400K a year base comp without equity, right? Now you're not talking uh, vacations in here. You're not talking bonus, just salary, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they should be charging you because you need that, that, um, that business arm, right? You need that, that individual who will challenge your business requirements and business needs with technology and act as this partner. You don't need someone to give orders to. Your CTO is a partner in your business. Even if you give equity or you don't give equity, they have to, be a, they have, to have that mindset, right? They have to sit down with sales and, and help with sales and with marketing and whatnot. It's a multidisciplinary role. This is what I have. I have a very hard time just sitting here and thinking about technology. I said about technology and I'm like, oh, okay, we have an opportunity here. I go and I contact the CEO and CEO of the company. I'm like, guys, we have an opportunity to build something else here. I created a business plan for you. You didn't ask me. I made it for you, right? So that's, this, is the kind, if, this is the kind of person you want in your startup, right? Once your organization is big enough, you don't need that because you've got a VP of sales and VP of marketing, VP of product, and all the, uh, the VP star, right? And all the CXOs. Uh, needed to actually do that. So in many cases, the bigger your organization, the more constricted your CTO needs to be, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of a funnel that way. So it's very, very interesting that way. So that'll cost you about half a mil, easy. It should cost you about half a mil. That's the reality. Total cost of ownership, half a mil. Um, in FCTO, if a client hires me for a full year, and I don't hold my clients to full-year contracts because I don't think it's fair because I want them to be able to walk in and out as they need. It hurts me a lot because I have income insecurity. But I, I've also been in the startup business and I want to make sure that they're, they're never beholden to me because they have to on a contract. So the contract always has a way to get out. Always. Always has a way that is fair for everyone. Um, if a client hired me for two hours a day, every single day, at the exact same time slot. That's the key. And I'll, and I'll work back to the model and how it actually works and how you can make it work, right? Uh, for a whole year, 
I'd be less than an intermediate developer in terms of cost. I'd be about 150K for the year. But you get, but you get $500,000 worth of value. Because let's be honest, how much work are you, uh, is, a, is a full-time CTO doing during the day between lunches and meetings and sitting there and talking? They're not doing more than four hours a day. That's the reality, right? Or they're handling larger projects on their own, whatever it may be. They're not in there in their scrum meetings, right? If anybody does, still does scrum. They're not, they're not like, hey, uh, what about this task and estimate? Uh, they're not reviewing Jira tickets. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. the reality. So, so the, yeah. the value proposition is definitely there for at one to two hours a day. Once you get to three hours a day, that's when it starts becoming a little dubious. Okay, maybe we don't need it because then the cost becomes close to a VP of engineering and they have to know whether they need them full-time to begin with or not. Again, do they need them full-time, right? That's the reality. So you, let's talk about that model a little bit more. So two, two hours a day is a quarter time, roughly speaking, if, if, if you assume an eight-hour day. I mean, nobody really works eight hours in, in this industry per day productively anyway um uh, on a single me. task <laughs> except for you <laughs> except for me if if my wife my wife shares an office with me if she does not feed me i do not eat it's really that simple like she will come in and, and give me food and i feel like this this like you know this uh, <laughs> this individual has his wife like 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 uh, serving him and i'm like oh, no, don't do that it's cool <laughs> i need to eat right because i'm Literally back to back to back. Sometimes I have five to 10 minutes in between, sometimes. But I'm back uh -huh. to back because I need to. Because in my business, I don't have, there's no sales organization that's going to keep funneling business to me, right? There's no guaranteed salary. There isn't. If I don't work, I don't make money at the end of the day. Believe me, I take a vacation. It's very expensive because I'm not billing for those two weeks or three weeks that I'm taking a vacation. So I'm not billing, plus it costs me. I'm looking at these budgets and I'm like, oh boy, what have I done? Okay, this is a very expensive vacation, but that's the reality, right? Yeah. So let, let, let's talk about this. So, so it sounds like two hours a day, roughly quarter mm -hmm. time, according to traditional time accounting, is sort of where it maxes out. Uh, and it, how, how low does it go? Like what, what's the least time commitment you offer to a client? Least time commitment will be one hour a day. Okay. If they if they want my preferred rate, anything else it's ad hoc and it's much more expensive. So so I charge three hundred dollars an hour for one to two hours a day, right? Any less than that, it has to be the whole week. Otherwise, I'm not really effective. Any less than that, I go to four hundred dollars an hour, and so you might as well because I want to force them to. I almost want to force them through pricing to take me for the whole week. Right? Because that's how I'm most effective. Because I can follow and I can work with the technical leadership if they have any. Sometimes they have a director, sometimes they don't. Sometimes I'm doing recruiting for them. There's always something to do. There's always something to do. And so if I work on an ad hoc basis, they call me when they need me. And that's a bad idea. Because, for example, I've got one client that's like, we need to move our repos from one place to another. And in my head, I'm like, why? What does it care where the source code is stored? Who gives a damn? Right, right now, this is not the priority. There's other priorities. I want to know where this priority came from, right? So mm -hmm. I take over when I come in, but I can only do that when I'm effectively, you know, on a recurring basis, continuously. I know that between 9 and 10 a.m., I've got this client. It's blocked off in my schedule. I don't take any other meetings, right? Completely blocked off. 
So they can expect me between 9 and 11, or 9 and 10, between 11 and 1, 1 and 3. They, oh, this is my time with Ashri. Excellent. He's on. They can book me without asking, hey, Ashri, are you available? Right? That's, that's a very important bit, right? For anyone who wants to be fractional CTO, there's a level of service that you have to provide and consistency that you have to provide. If your client has to ask you whether you're available, you're a consultant. You're not a fractional, right? No one ever better call me a consultant. I'll, I'll, I'll blow a gasket. I find, I, I, for me, I think that's a, that's a, that's a bad term. That's, like, that's, a, that's derogatory for what I do, right? So you're not a fractional if, you're, if they're asking you this. And so, yeah, that consistency helps a lot because I'm on Slack. I've got 12 Slack channels. That's not bad, eh? Not bad. <laughs> 12 Slack channels. Not bad at all. So my Slack yeah. is pretty big and it like pops up all the time because people are always asking me questions. So I'm always answering questions, right? For all my different clients. And when they're consistent with me, they get access to me on Slack. So I've got developers calling me at all hours of the day. And sometimes I'll get on a call with them and I'll do a huddle. I'm like, okay, shock me. And I'll do a pair programming session with them real quick. Or I'll do a code review or I'll do this or whatever it is, right? The benefit of having me on a, on a continuous basis every day is you get access to me on Slack the rest of the day, right? I guarantee my response time during your time because I'm, on, I'm actively on your Slack channel, right? Otherwise, if I see the message, I'll answer it. But sometimes it could take one, two, three, four hours for me to answer. It happens. But people like this model. I like this model. It seems interesting. And everybody pays on time. So I like that. Do you, do you bill up front or, or you just trust people with net 30 uh, terms or how does that work? Net 30 terms typically, you know, I, yeah. I like to be nice with the startups. I want to give them some nice, um, how can I say, cash flow protection. And I build them every two weeks. That's it. Every two weeks, once it reaches a certain point, I build them automatically. At some point, I don't even know when invoices come in and half the time, I forgot to do accounting for a whole month because I was so busy. I'm like, where did I get this money from? Like, what's going on? Oh, it's this invoice, I guess. I don't know. This one. This... It's a good problem to have. Let me tell you that. It's a very good problem to have. <laughs> very, very good. This is, this is really fascinating. I enjoy talking about this. I enjoy talking about with people who help solve technical problems and organizational problems. So this, this is energizing for me. But I would like to, to sort of bring it home a little bit. Um, and I want to answer two questions. Uh, let's first start with uh, anybody listening who's in a leadership role. Maybe they're a startup founder or a CEO, and they're struggling with some of these problems. Uh, how should they? What what should they be asking themselves to determine whether they need full time or fractional? If they're developing something completely brand new, they need technical leadership, but it doesn't mean a CTO. It could be a tech lead, right? It could be a director, someone to manage the team, but someone who has a technical brain, who understands technology, right? So I'm, I'm an FCTO for a company that does Golang and Python, far from my skill set. I know Golang and Python. I learned it about a year and a half ago. That's it, right? But I can, I can code review to no end and I understand and, and, uh, and I, can, I can lead it, I can architect with it and so on and so forth because... It doesn't take that long. Huh? Learning a new language or a new frame doesn't take that long. You, you know. I mean, you pick up. You, I, I'm going to pick up Rust in a couple of weeks and I'll probably be at 80% decent with it. 
And then it'll take another year to get to that last 20% to be 100 on it, if you can ever be, because these languages change so damn fast. <laughs> right, right? right. I finished it. Oh, they introduced generics. Damn it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Golang. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah. so that's, so that's what you have to ask yourself. Secondly, do you have the money to support a full-time one? That's the thing. Is it worth you to, is it worth it for you to put three, let's say for a startup, is it worth it for you to put $300,000 a year plus two or 3% equity position plus bonuses plus vacation time? Are you able, like, do you have something else that you can put $300,000 on? Let's say take half of it right, for the opportunity cost of an FCTO. So most of my clients will pay about $150,000 for the year to have me every single day for two hours, which, let me tell you, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of work, right? I can, I can do a lot in two hours because I'm not invited to BS meetings. I'm not invited to anything else that I don't need to be. In all hands, and then I handle it engineering. As long as engineering works well, they don't care about me. They just want to make sure that it's dealt with, and that's it, right? Um... Can that $150,000 get you a operations person or a marketing or salesperson or two salespeople with, with commission? Will you be able to grow that business faster that way? Right? The third thing is, do you even know what kind of CTO profile you need? And that's an interesting one. Do you, do you need the technologist? Do you need the visionary? Do you, are, you, are you looking for a CTO because you need coding? Because that's not a CTO right? And so before you commit and have someone change their jobs to join you, right? Maybe you're not good at working with a CTO yet. Hire a fractional CTO. It's a CTO with trading wheels, if you think about it, right? You're, you're going to try out the concept, right? Do you want someone who's opinionated? So my clients like me because I'm opinionated because I tell them no, Straight to the point. We're like, we're not doing this. We're going to do it that way. Right? Because they want that leadership. They want someone to tell them how things will be. Not everybody likes it. I had one client who dumped me. He's like, I don't, I don't like this. I need someone to just do what I'm saying. Okay, great. I'm not for you, buddy. This is not you, what you need as a developer, but good luck. Here's a list of developers, right? Yeah. And, and here's the interesting part. So FCTO is designed to be temporary. But if you, if you retain me for a year, you save a whole bunch of money. Great. Fantastic for you, right? However, it's designed to be temporary. And what I tell my clients is, when you're done with me, I will find you my replacement. And holy moly, do they love it. They're like, what do you mean you're going to find me? The, I'm going to find you the replacement. I'm going to find... And, and, and who better to replace themselves as, as, as the person who's, who's actually doing so and without any you know, hard feelings, right? I'm not like... Uh, I'm not being fired and it's like, oh, you have to find your replacement now and it's stressful. No, the whole, that's the point of the game. The point, I want to find a replacement for myself because let's be honest, at some point I'm going to get bored. My ADD is going to kick in and it's like, oh, okay, still more of this. All right, okay. I think we need to find someone else for you now. Maybe, it might happen, you know? Hasn't happened yet, but it might happen at some point. Um, and so I find myself, I find a replacement, Right? What I, what I realized as well is, is the FCTO is a fantastic stand-in for someone going on maternity leave because it's near perfect. It's a non-full-time role, right? You hire this FCTO 
And I'm spinning this up now with a client who's going on maternity leave and I'm working with them and I'm onboarding with them and so on and so forth. They're going to go on mat leave and I'm going to be in contact with them when we're chatting here and there because I'm not there to replace them. I'm there to handle the situation while they're on mat leave, right? And so I'm handling this. I'm, 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 you know, I'm the captain of the ship while they're not present actively every day, but I work with them. Yes, they're mad leave, and yes, you're supposed to be offline and so on and so forth. Okay, uh huh. Yes, nobody's ever offline because we have things to do, right? But you know, a quick a quick message on Slack works, or text message because they're not on Slack. A quick text message works. A call a, call a week works, right? And so I'm going to take over their engineering department, their technical organization. I'm going to work through them, right? Implementing their strategy. And then when they're ready to come back, I walk away and there's no issues because the client, the employer doesn't have to keep me because they give me a full-time job, right? They don't have to keep me. It's fantastic. It's great. It's like, Ashri, thank you very much for your services. They're coming back from maternity leave. Excellent. Great. Have a good day, guys. Have fun. I'll go on to my next client because I always have, there's always a waiting list somewhere. There's always like people waiting I had to say no to a couple of people at some point because I was just I was I was burning out. That was too much work. And then the other question, and actually I remembered I have to get back to vigilantism. So there's actually two more questions. <laughs> I like that. Story, if somebody's yeah. interested in pursuing fractional CTO work uh, themselves, uh, what pointers can you give to somebody? Uh, maybe they've been doing technical work or even man- engineering management. What pointers can you give them if they want to consider this? This is a business role. You have to under, you're building a practice. You have to follow the agency model, right? And there's many models you can off, you can you can go after, right? You can model models, right? Uh, you can have the retainer model. You got all of these models. But customer service and how you approach the client is incredibly important because what I'm selling is not a brand of a, you know fractionalctoadvisors.com. It's ashricohen.me. It's me. I'm selling myself, mm-hmm. right? So I am the brand. What I say online matters. How I discuss things online matters. You mentioned, you know, you like most of my posts. Yeah, some of them are stupid because you know what? I made a mistake. It's <laughs> Your true. words, hey. not mine. <laughs> I, I delete them afterwards. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what was I thinking? What? No, no. But you know what? Hey, that's the fact of the matter is I'm human. I make mistakes. So. Um, it's a business role. So you have to prospect, you have to sell, you have to use automation, you have to reach out to people, you have to talk to a lot of people. If you don't like talking to people, this is not your business, right? And you have to really know what you're talking about. You have to come in. There's no like, oh, figure it out. No, 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 no. You're coming in because you have already figured it out. Now you can be a fractional across multiple different areas. I was talking to some guy who who's uh, who sells principal engineering services, right? And he's like, I want to be an FCTO. I'm like, yeah, but you're not a CTO. You're great at front-end development and you're probably one of the best I've seen so far having looked at your, at your code and having spoken to you. Maybe you're just a fractional principal eng and that's it. A lot of clients need a fractional principal eng to review their code because they, they can't hire a full-time one. Sure. Yeah, you know, his practice is full-time at this point because he's got so many clients. And all he does is do, do code reviews. He's basically on on email notification off of GitHub and all the other source controls 
for all of his clients and he goes one by one every day. That's all he does. Code review the whole day. And then talks to them like, hey, let's uh, rework this. Let's rework that solution. That's a fantastic job. You can do that on the beach. On the beach. Never try work on it on the beach. <laughs> I've tried it burns. before. It's, you know, same it, it makes no, right? It makes no sense, right? Because the, the guy's shirt is never, like, is, never, is never sweaty. And he's, and he's drinking a mojito while he's coding. I'm like, yeah, you try drinking a mojito right. while you're coding with the sun? You're not writing any code. You're, you're putting on Netflix and you're falling asleep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, I think the last question I need to ask then is about this vigilantism that got you into oh, coding. Man. All right. So uh, when I was 13, my father got me a computer. The first thing I figured is let me try and get some free games. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, back in the day, there was no, uh, there was no um, uh, what's it called? Uh, DRM, right? There was barely mm -hmm. even a, a serial number. You just bought the, the CD. And, and you popped it in and you loaded the game and that's it. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And so people yep. naturally were giving it out for, for free, F a.k.a. pirating. I think that's even before yep. pirating the term came out. This is pre-Napster, uh, pre if you remember Napster, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. I discovered so much music with Napster. It's crazy. It made me love music, right? Um, it probably boosted sales, if anything. Uh, I think it actually did boost sales. It was, but anyways, I digress. I think so too, yeah. Um, and so, and so we download these things, and and some nefarious people would uh, would mark games as zip files and so on and so forth. But they would put very disgusting imagery that is very illegal. Right? Mm -hmm. I'll let your imagination run or not run on that. And I'm like, this is disgusting. What do we do with this? Right? And so my friends and I learned how to code viruses. <laughs> okay. In C plus plus, right? Gotta love C++. It's not memory safe. You can just attack any area. Knock yourself out. Fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. And so we would crash people's machines. We would, we would mess with them. We would destroy their instance and whatnot. And we would distribute the, the viruses as, as, as na named, named after the disgusting imagery that they were, that they were tricking people with, okay. right? And that's how I so if how so if you had received a disgusting image of let's just say an elephant, you yes. would name your virus elephant.exe so that somebody looking for disgusting imagery of elephants would download your not virus. even you could just make it .jpg okay. back in the day you could rename anything and it would execute oh, regardless right you remember that Windows sure. 90, 95? yeah it was yeah, yeah beautiful probably for secure for viruses yeah. you could just name anything .txt they would double click it it doesn't open oh it's crashed it's already destroyed your machine you're done that's it. Right. <laughs> right what you're seeing right now is yeah you hear that hard drive head crashing into your into your disk yeah that was me you know Lovely. next time don't download Lovely. disgusting imagery you animal and right. we did this for 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 a few years and then we eventually started noticing online that that the, that authorities were starting to pay attention to said disgusting imagery and we're like okay yeah. people are dealing with it we can stop now and at that point at that point i started getting contract building websites for people and I was, what, 16? So, you know. <laughs> That's how I got into programming. <laughs> That's great. I, I got into programming because I wanted free games too, but I didn't have the internet yet, so I just had to write games. Ooh, nice. Zorg. I yeah, I mean, th th this was this was before your time. I mean, before your, the time you're describing. This was like a, on a Commodore 64 when you, you turn on Oof. the computer and you have basic. You just start typing. Type a guess the number <laughs> game or whatever. Yeah, that was, that was exciting back then. <laughs> oh, man. 
You know, I, I've been trying to build a video game for a while. It, it's it's very hard. Oh, I don't think I would even try these days. I mean, n nothing on, uh, nothing to compete with. Like, even if I want to do like like uh, like Flappy Bird or something, I wouldn't know where to start. It's so it's you know what? It's not like it's not video. It's not actual software engineering for the most part. It oh, isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's so completely everything is. I was trying to build this game and everything is static. I'm like, what do you mean everything is static? All the classes, everything is all the properties are static. Yeah, everything is static. Anything, any object can touch any object. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. But I guess it does make sense because everything has to run like all at the same time, right? And now I understand why it. Fallout always crashes. <laughs> that that I don't know. My favorite game so far. Now that I have a Mac, I don't get to play all of these good games. You know, so. <laughs> Ashrit, thanks a lot for coming on. This has been very uh, educational and entertaining. How can people get in touch with you if if uh, they want to reach out? Maybe they want to hire you or they want to pick your brain about something. LinkedIn, right? Ashri Cohen. There's only one uh, one one fella in, in North America probably with my name, right? It's a very unique name. Um, AshriCohen.me. And it's .me, not .com. .com is the Israeli actor with a shirt open. That is not me. Although a lot of prospects are like, I didn't know you used to be an actor. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> if you think that blue-eyed, beautiful person looks like me, I'm good. No problem, right? I'm not correcting you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's good. We're getting into the CTO work now. You know? um, but that's it. And I help a ton of people all the time. I like it. And, and if someone needs my help, and they, I, I very rarely refuse a meeting, Right. And so if I can set them on the right path and then they don't talk to me for another six months and then they hire me, it works. Well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, I hope that our listeners have uh, found this as enjoyable as I have. Hope to be in touch with you soon. Thank you very much. Have a good one, Jonathan. Until next time.